And welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining me on the line is Josh Levy from prefreepress.net, and we're here, we're going to be talking about the end of the open internet with uh, net neutrality being struck down with uh, Verizon versus the FCC. Welcome to the show, Josh. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, first, explain to the listeners who may not know, what is net neutrality? Net neutrality is the basic concept that everyone should be able to access whatever content they like online. They should be able to visit the websites they want, the video that they want. Um, they should be able to talk to who they are, whoever they want without any companies or governments getting in the way, that we should all have equal access to the Internet. What were the origins of the court case that uh, struck down net neutrality right now, uh, Verizon versus the FCC? The origins go way back. They actually go back to about a decade uh, previous to the decision from last week. But in the shorter term, the FCC passed a rule back in 2010 uh, that was called the, the net neutrality rule, the open Internet order that declared that Internet providers could not block content or discriminate against content online, meaning they couldn't slow down websites or artificially degrade video that you're trying to watch in order to charge extra for other kinds of video that they're making deals uh, with content providers for. So, for example, they're not allowed to uh, slow down Netflix so that they can promote their own video product, that they have to treat all information equally online. Now, that those rules weren't great. They didn't apply uh, equally to wireless connections uh, and to wired connections. So the, the rules for wired connections, the, the connections that lead to your laptop or desktop, uh, those rules were better than, than they were for, for mobile. But even worse than that, the rules were passed in such a way that they were really open to legal dispute uh, and, and didn't, weren't necessarily going to hold up in court, which is what we had argued when they were passed. And we found out last week that that was true, that they were not going to hold up in court. So in the aftermath of this decision, which threw out those net neutrality rules and now is giving ISPs free reign to block and, and slow down content, we think that the FCC needs to pass better rules in the right way, treating broadband connections as a utility uh, and a telecommunications service so that these rules won't get thrown out in court again. That is an important nuance, that the court did not strike the principle as uh, net neutrality down guiding the Internet. It just struck down the FCC's authority to open to regulate open Internet order because currently broadband is classified as the uh, information services. What will it take to get the Internet reclassified as telecommunication service so that the FCC can enforce net neutrality again? Uh, that's that's a great question, and yeah, just to to reinforce that point, the the court did not make a decision or any kind of declaration about the principle of net neutrality. It simply said the court can't pass rule. Or, I'm sorry, the FCC can't pass rules in this way, and it actually laid out uh, a path for the FCC to do it the right way. And what that would be is, as you mentioned, reclassifying broadband connections not as an information service, but as a telecommunication service, which is what they are, I think, for for most of us. So the FCC can do that. It can take. That that act, that action right now, uh, technically speaking, it can move to say, okay, from now on, we're going to classify broadband services as telecommunication services and not information, um, which is completely uh, a path given to them by multiple court decisions. And uh, the the law would simply uh, be acknowledging that broadband services are those things from now on. Now, would they actually do it today? Probably not, because the reason why they didn't in the first place is the result of intense uh, lobbying pressure from the industry, from company lobbyists like Verizon and Comcast and AT&T and others, and also just lacking the political will to make a fairly bold decision to to reclassify in such a way. But I think what we're seeing now is there's been such an outcry uh, to this court decision uh, 
where people are realizing that the open Internet that, that they've come to depend on, you know, the status quo is this openness, um, could disappear. And all of a sudden, this ability to connect and communicate on, online without any hindrance could go away. Uh, I think the FCC is seeing that outcry, and they're, they are going to respond to it if we continue to pressure them to do the right thing and to reclassify broadband services. How big of a window do activists have to get net neutrality restored? Well, technically, the window will be open for a while. Uh, but I think that if you if you look at the the way that the media pays attention and doesn't pay attention to certain stories, the window is not going to be open for that long in in real life. We're, yeah. we're, we have a short period of time to take advantage of the continued outcry that's that's happening here and and the media attention to it in order to to pressure the FCC here. So the longer that 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 time uh, elapses, and the further away we are from last week's decision, the less likely I think we'll be able to take advantage of, of this moment. What is FreePress.net's campaign to save the internet? Is what is it going to entail? It, it entails something very simple: uh, getting the public to weigh in on this issue and to tell the FCC that it needs to do the right thing and reclassify broadband. So we've actually been running a, an action. Uh, we've had more than a hundred thousand people take action at SaveTheInternet.com. Uh, urging the FCC to do the right thing and to reclassify. In addition, we're going to be delivering uh, a letter and those hundreds of thousands of petition signatures to the FCC this week. Uh, the letter will be signed by dozens of organizations that are all calling for this. And uh, so that's the first step is to deliver that message, the, the voice of the grassroots to the FCC. And then after that, there's going to be intense uh, pressure going on within Washington. You know, uh, Free Press has an office in Washington, D.C. We work very closely with lots of other organizations who are dedicated to this issue. We're going to be talking to the FCC uh, constantly. We're going to be talking to our, our allies and friends down there constantly. But uh, perhaps even more importantly, we're going to be continuing to urge people outside of Washington to send letters to the FCC, to, to write letters uh, to, to, to local members of Congress, to uh, write letters to the editor of their local newspaper, all voicing support for the open Internet and, and talking about the need for the FCC to reclassify broadband. Has any big sites threatened to do a blackout like when SOPA was up on the table and uh, that effectively rallied people to, you know, voice their opinion and get that defeated? Uh, it's interesting. This question has come up a lot. And as of yet, there's no coordinated uh, effort or conversation to, to do something like that. But what, one suggestion that I heard that I think is really interesting is if sites actually did a coordinated slowdown <laughs> so that they would all sort of slow down and be hard to access for a day to show you what would happen if, if Internet service providers like Verizon or AT&T had the kind of control that they now have, that they could just slow down any, any site willy-nilly. So if the entire Internet just slowed down and was buffering for 24 hours, I think that would drive people kind of crazy. Yeah, definitely. Well, what would the Internet look like without net neutrality? The Internet would look a lot like cable television without net neutrality. <laughs> oh, you will eventually see <laughs> the ability uh, for, for service providers to charge extra for websites that used to be free to access along with everything else. So maybe you get a basic Internet package for 40 bucks a month, but 5 bucks extra you get Facebook. For 5 bucks more you get Netflix. Oh, uh, maybe you get those websites uh, under the cheaper package, but they load a lot more slowly. Uh, you could also, you know, legally speaking, a company like Verizon can now block any website it wants to. It can slow down any website it wants to. It can uh, block 
any video that you put up, uh, it can block any video service or any application. So if they don't like, for example, uh, you know, I use Netflix, but something that comes up after Netflix, if they don't like it because, for example, it's not striking a deal with, with, with Verizon, then they can just block access to that on their network. So it's really scary, and I think it's the opposite of, of the Internet that we know now today, um, which has been such an engine for free speech, for innovation, for economic growth. And uh, it's going to be a, a dark day for the Internet for a while until we can restore these uh, stronger net neutrality rules. Uh, because most people in this country have had broadband internet for 14 years or so, does the public's institutional memory of how the internet should work help out with the fight in lobbying the FCC to protect net neutrality? I think for some people it does. You know, some of us who, who started using the Internet in, in the mid-'90s remember when there were thousands of dial-up ISPs uh, available. That, that, that system existed, you know, where we could choose from so many different providers that were all competing with each other uh, because the rules were better back then, because uh, the, the Internet traveled over lines that were regulated as telecommunication services, and so there was uh, – more oversight over those those lines. There was more competition. There was more openness. Um, so it would be great to return to, to something like that. Um, but for folks who are a bit newer to the Internet or, or just didn't experience uh, this net neutrality fight when it first popped up back in 2006, 2007, this is a huge wake-up call that, that, you know, that this open Internet that, that we've all taken for granted, it's almost like the air that we breathe. You know, it's just something that's around us all the time. Um, it could go away. could could end up being really different. And, and and so I think people are, are rightly very frightened by that prospect. I would be frightened, too. Like, um, for those that are listening to my voice on the Internet currently, you know, j- just imagine your life without KUCI and just your home market stations that you have to deal with without us being able to stream if they shut our stream down. I mean, that would be just I can think of, you know, if I I'm not in the KUCI area myself. And so I can only imagine just being relied upon the, the L.A. stations. And it's just horrible. Absolutely, and, and, and the fact that that would happen because of either uh, financial deals being cut between companies that can afford to 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 pay each other certain chunks of money, um, you know, that would be harmful because yeah. upstarts, you know, upstarts uh, radio stations or or new sorts of businesses just won't be able to compete uh, with 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 the folks who can pay extra. But in addition to that, there's a whole political dimension. If a company doesn't like the speech that you are um, putting out there online, they have every right to block it yeah. uh, now because of this ruling. They have every right to, to only allow certain speech that they think is appropriate, and that is incredibly scary. Oh, definitely. Um, going back to a previous point, do you see the potential of an ISP like Time Warner, for example, example uh, offering a top tier uh, of internet, say $300 a month for a completely open internet, and the less affluent users get stuck with the you know closed internet hell that we're talking about? Absolutely. There's the possibility for that. There's a possibility that we're all just logging onto a different internet. You know, the $300 internet, as you say, the the $40 internet, whatever's in between. And again, that's going to look a lot like cables. You know, we all subscribe to different cable packages based on our interests and based on how much money we have. And that's one of the reasons why the internet has been so revolutionary is that it's not like cable. It's that it kind of cuts through all of that stuff. Everybody's accessing the same thing every day. It's, it's radically open and unhierarchical. And, um, you know, that has served political parties that has served, uh, uh, grassroots activists of all stripes and coming from all political persuasions. It served businesses. The re- 
Google, Facebook, Netflix, all of these big companies that we now rely on, they exist because of that radical openness. And so I don't even know, I don't want to think about what the next 10, 15 years of the Internet will look like without that kind of uh, guarantee that we can access everything equally. Yeah. What does the end of net neutrality mean for Internet privacy? It's really interesting. So uh, a couple of things. Because companies like Verizon and AT&T and others will be able to block applications or websites or videos or any other kinds of content at will, they also have the right, for example, if, if I choose to connect to the Internet using uh, certain encryption tools that hide my identity or hide the content of my, my communications, uh, they have every right to say you can't use those encryption tools to connect to our network. We won't connect you if you're using those, net, th those tools. Uh, likewise, they, because of the technologies that are, are used to find out what, co what content you're accessing in order to <laughs> block it or slow it down, they have to be able to peer into to your activity. And so they'd be able to start using these tools, some of which are called deep packet inspection, uh, to, to, to dig into exactly what your activity is they didn't know about your activity and then have the ability to block it. So net neutrality and privacy are really closely connected. They both you know, are about these huge gatekeeping either companies or government agencies uh, being able to spy on what you're doing and then stop you from doing it or just, just chill you from doing it because you're worried about somebody peering over your shoulder all the time. Do you think the, the fact that the FCC has been slow to respond for reclassification of the Internet to make it net neutrality a principle is because the, of the collusion between the NSA and the ISPs and like this, the basically stops on privacy that you're talking about, that would stop another Edward Snowden leak or Chelsea Manning leak? I mean, it could. You know, I think that the, the, the macro issue there is that there is this collusion between government agencies of all stripes and big telecommunications providers. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've seen since almost 10 years ago that, that many of the Verizon and AT&T and others have voluntarily given up information to the government without even necessarily being asked for it, um, and then are being and then are subsequently protected by the government when those sorts of schemes are exposed. Uh, so that that has huge ramifications for our, our right to privacy, and and it, you know the result of that collusion is this NSA modern surveillance state that Edward Snowden helped expose. Um, in addition to that, you, you have just protections for these companies that lead to higher prices for internet users that lead to uh, the inability for us to, to make better and, and, and more simple connections with each other because we're, uh, the, the, the interests of these service providers are always uh, being held up by these governments rather than the interest of, or by these agencies rather than the interest of, of Internet users. Do you see Google, Apple, and other Internet giants getting involved to fight to preserve net neutrality? Because they basically don't want to pay protection money for their bandwidth to ISPs or, that are acting like the mafia in this case. <laughs> uh, it's it's very possible. You know, Google was active for a time uh, in the in the 2000s when net, the net neutrality issue first cropped up. So it's possible that that we'll hear some public statements from them again, and, and possibly from other internet companies. Uh, like you say, they're definitely being uh, hurt by this decision, and they it is kind of a mafia situation <laughs> in that they're being asked to kind of pay up or else suffer the consequences. So whether or not it's a, it's a public statement, I think that they will be involved somehow. What can we do to get net neutrality put back in place? The simple thing, again, is, just, is to ask the FCC, to urge the FCC to reclassify broadband as a telecommunications service. Once, once they do that, they can easily pass rules 
uh, similar to the rules that were just thrown out uh, that will actually hold up in court and, and that will protect Internet users for good. Uh, just to leave off, and uh, what can we do to go on the offensive against the ISPs? In North America, we pay more for broadband than other countries and get slower speeds. We have less competition in the ISP field as well. How do we lobby for better Internet beyond restoring net neutrality? Well, so what's interesting is that getting the, the FCC to reclassify definitely has an effect on net neutrality. It gives the FCC the ability to pass net neutrality rules, but it gives the FCC authority on other aspects of, of broadband as well. Uh, the FCC is set up to be able to oversee these communications networks, and, and not to have too much of a heavy hand over them, but just simply to guarantee our access to them. So by reclassifying broadband, it, it's not only able to protect net neutrality, but it's also able to pass stronger policies that, that help communities around the country connect to, the broad, to broadband in the first place. It helps them get the money that they need. It helps them uh, forge the contracts that they need, and et cetera. So uh, this is much, much bigger than just net neutrality. This is about people's ability to access the Internet at all. It's about people's ability to access an open Internet and also to, to have access to all modern communication systems, you know, whatever comes after the Internet, uh, whether or not the phone network runs over uh, old-style uh, copper lines or newer lines, shouldn't matter. We should all have access to phone network, which is also in question here. So uh -huh. uh, that's why it's so important for the FCC to, to reclassify broadband because it, it would reinstitute a host of uh, authorities that it doesn't currently have. Josh Levy, thanks for being on the show. Freepress.net, I currently have that up on the KUCI Twitter page, so you can link and do your part to help save the Internet and uh, keep us informed about the ongoing fight to save the Internet. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome, and hopefully we'll, we'll have you again soon. Uh, this is, of course, the Heather McCoy Show.